right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. With me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Daring. Um, I had a pretty down week in terms of how my team performed, um, but Sam had a uh, good, you know, start to the weekend there with uh, his Wisconsin Badgers, and I'm sure he'll speak on that a little bit later, but um, if you guys haven't already, go ahead and check out the um, sponsors that we have down at the bottom there with RX Hemp. Um, head over to rxhemp.com. It's um, natural pain relief cream um, made from CBD. You get 10% off your purchase with code USN or code rxhemp-USN. You get 10% off every single purchase that you do. Also, mybookie.ag. If you're a gambling man like myself, I do it every single week. USN 100 for double your first deposit. And I think the minimum deposit there has got to be 45 or $50. So uh, great stuff going over there. Had a bit of a down week last week myself, but Looking to turn it around this week, um, but um, after a great week of college football, I, I think with the Big Ten being back and everything that was happening there, we'll go ahead and head into, you know, what team stood out to you last weekend, Sam? I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with the Big Ten. Um, th- this was weird because it seemed like this was a team that quite a few like analysts kind of picked an upset, and I'm wondering if that was the reasoning because Journey Brown wasn't playing as well as Micah Parsons not being in there, um, which are big, pretty big holes. Micah Parsons obviously significantly bigger, um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I have Indiana. Um, Indiana was definitely shocking to me that they're now in the rankings at 17. Um, I think this was th- this was Indiana's first win against Penn State since like was it the 80s or something I don't have the stat at the top of my head but it, wow. it's been years it's been years since they've they've beaten Penn State um but Michael Penix Jr was their leading rusher uh, 19 for 36 170 170 yards and a touchdown and interception as a sophomore quarterback um that to me was shocking um and I mentioned Shaka Tony as my standout guy Shaka Tony's starting to store up those boards. And I know we'll get to Penn State um, in a bit here later on in the episode, um, as one of us has one of the Penn State players as guys to watch. Uh, how's it going, Alex? Um, but yeah, I mean, Shaka Tony finished, I think it was seven total tackles. Uh, he was near the top, near the top three um, in total tackles um, for that team. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But my, my surprising team um, definitely was Indiana. I, I did not expect that to happen. Um, we did see some, we obviously did see like guys that some that we expected to show out. Um, but Indiana was definitely my um, standout team. Yeah, it was weird before the day got started. I almost picked Indiana to upset Penn State because I I just read in a lot of different places. I I just you know reading articles and everything throughout the week that. You know, Indiana, last year they played very well and they had a lot of, like, one-score games that they ended up losing and things of that nature. And um, I forget who their head coach is or whatever, but they kind of he's kind of, like, starting to build this Indiana program to where they're not going to be at the bottom of the barrel of the Big Ten and you got to like, actually respect them. So um, I didn't think they were necessarily going to come out with a W, um, but that, that's a big thing for Indiana moving forward. Um <laughs> Uh, the Brady talk. Connie loves him some Brady. Um, but anyway, anyways, uh, my surprising team is the team that you and I have constantly, you know, put down as, you know, probably the most overrated team in college football. 
and that's the Michigan Wolverines. Um, I did not expect this to come out or the result to come out the way that it did. Uh, I mean, you win by 25 points against a very good Minnesota Golden Gophers team, which is pretty, you know, it's pretty telling that you had all this hype around Michigan and Michigan actually lived up to it for once. Um, great to see Joe Milton put on a, a show. Well, not necessarily a show, but um, very good. 93 over overall QBR, 225 yards, averaging 10.2 per attempt. Um, so that's great. He only had one touchdown, but I mean, other than that, he wasn't very effective. He was decently effective in the run game, had 52 yards. So a good, you know, first game for him. Um, a lot of, you know, getting it around in the run game here for Michigan. So are they going to be able to rely on that all year? We'll see. Um, but in my opinion, it was maybe a little bit more to do with Minnesota not showing up in this game. So <laughs> something against khakis. No, I do have something. I do have something against John Harbaugh though. So, uh, or which one is it, Jim or John? Jim, Jim, Jim John. Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim, Jim, John, Jim, whatever. Um, <laughs> what the one that coaches Michigan? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it had a little more to do with Minnesota not really coming into this game prepared enough. I don't know um, what it was. Tanner Morgan did not have a good game at all. Had below a 50 Q- QBR, um, only threw, threw for less than 200 yards. Um, completed almost less than 50% of his passes. And um, I mean, Rashad Bateman had a normal Rashad Bateman day without the touchdowns. But um, Michigan just kind of was in control of this game from the get-go. They, you know, took an 11 spot lead after the first quarter and never let up. And uh, after being on them so heavily throughout the, you know, preseason of well, preseason for, you know, the big 10 for them to come out and do what they did against a, a ranked Minnesota team, people who were thinking that, you know, Minnesota is going to be that next big team, big 10 team. That's going to make them that push, you know, in there against Ohio state. And uh, they just, it's just not going to happen this year. It doesn't look like after losing this opening one to Michigan, who we were all very low on. Yeah, I was going to bring up too. I mean, you mentioned Tanner Morgan had a struggling game um, as well as, I mean, Tanner Morgan had a struggling game, but Rashad Bateman still put up the Rashad Bateman numbers. Like, yeah, he didn't have a touchdown. He had a hundred nine receptions for a hundred or 101 yards um, and obviously zero touchdowns. And um, a guy that I like a lot of Michigan is Quiddy Pay, which I'll get to later on here. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect Michigan to blow out Minnesota and I talk. I have a friend that's a Michigan fan, and a lot of us were telling him we think Minnesota is going to win, and we, we were wrong. And I didn't. Ex- I didn't expect to Minnesota or Michigan to win in fashion. I did not expect them to. I did not expect this to be a blowout game. I expect that's Minnesota, the most. That's the most ahead. surprising aspect of it all is you, you right. could have seen them winning, but not by that many points. Yeah, and I would have said. <laughs> A possession, maybe two possession game. Um, if 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 Minnesota would have won, but I I didn't expect it to be, um, the outcome that it was. So, well, Connie, I'm I'm super proud of you, man. You're trying to learn some college football, you know, getting the atmosphere. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but yeah, we'll move on from uh, our week eight standout teams, and we'll move into our week eight standout players. And Sam, I'll let you go ahead and start with uh, your standout offensive player. So um, there's a few. I could go Graham Mertz here, but um, I'm going to give that one over to Caleb. Um, that's right, well-deserved. Um, but 
I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter. And I really wish I would have picked Desmond Ritter as my dark horse candidate for Heisman Trophy. But I, I'm not going to give up on Kellen Mond. I like Kellen Mond. He's a very talented quarterback. But um, <laughs> but Desmond Ritter is a big-bodied quarterback. He's 6'5". Um, he's 6'5", 215 pounds. He had three touchdowns on the ground against SMU and a touchdown um, passing. Finished 13 for 21 with 126 passing yards. And he's greatly mobile. He's very mobile. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks um, in this draft class. And if you look at outside of Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, the talent is not like it's, it's, it's not very deep. There's Jamie Newman, but I think Jamie Newman has the chance to fall quite a bit. I would almost rather have Desmond Ritter than Jamie Newman. And Desmond Ritter has been rise. I think he's going to rise up the boards. And I think Jamie Newman might fall a little bit farther than some people might expect. I think Jamie Newman's very talented, but even you brought up um, um, when we were talking, one of our first episodes of the ACC is Jamie Newman is mobile, but we were excited for Jamie Newman at Georgia because we hopefully would have been able to see more of that mobility at mm. Georgia because Georgia is a team that relies heavily on the run game. Um, and they, they don't, they've never really had a quarterback that has been mobile. Like Jacob Eason's not very mobile. Jake Fromm's probably <laughs> a little bit less mobile than Jacob Eason was. Um, so Jamie Newman, like him opting out, he he needed that year. And then we've we've been through we we've talked about have conversations like this before. Um, but but my standout player is SMU, and I know you picked Shane Bouchelle um, as your dark horse candidate, um, who had just under or a little over seventeen hundred passing yards um, before that game, and <laughs> he actually both him and Ritter weren't even in the dark horse candidate, weren't even in the Heisman conversation. I think the only one that was, was ended up being Kellen Mann. Um, but I think Desmond Ritter is so underrated. I think he should be talked about more. And there's a reason why this, an there's an analyst that I saw a few weeks ago that said, this is the best Cincinnati team he's seen in a while. They play Memphis this week. Uh, Memphis is without Kenneth Gainwell, who, um, I think he's got tremendous upside. He's got room to grow. Um, he, he is a little bit on the leaner side, um, but he's very talented. Um, but they're without Kenneth Gainwell. I think I think losing Kenneth Gainwell is a big loss for them, um, and I think that helps Cincinnati. Um, but Cincinnati's got Memphis this week, and I think Desmond Ritter and that Cincy offense is only going to get better from here. Yeah. Um, I honestly – Desmond Ritter, I've heard the name over and over again, but I never pay attention. I mean, no, it's it's Cincinnati, it's the Boise State of the world, or you know, Memphis of the world. You hear about them, but you don't like necessarily get to see them all the time, and you don't get to see the plays that they do make that are like all like you makes you you know drop your jaw, drop your jaw, and you know kind of be like, oh man, like wow, what a play. But uh, Desmond Ritter is definitely that guy you put on the tape. You see him. I mean, three touchdowns on the ground, one through the air against a very good SMU team. So. Um, props to him there, but my week eight, my week eight standout player is going back to your guy, and that's your quarterback there in Wisconsin, and that's Graham Mertz. The the guy just lit it up. I mean, one incomplete pass all night, twenty to twenty one, completed ninety five percent of his passes, two hundred forty eight yards, eleven point eight pass um, yards per attempt, five touchdowns through the air, a two hundred and seventy three rating. That to me, I was. <laughs> I I've never seen something so high in my life. Um, I was watching the game, and I was just completely amazed by 
you know, what this freshman is doing um, to a very, I mean, Illinois is no slacker. I mean, uh, last year they went, I think, mean, six and five, I believe. Um, they had the best season they've ever had under Levy Smith. And most of their team was, was returning. And so I was a little bit higher on Illinois in this game because you're bringing in a freshman quarterback who's only thrown 10 passes his whole entire career. And he dude comes out there and he only incompletes one pass. Just completely accurate whether he was out of the pocket or not. Most of the time he had a clean pocket all night. Didn't even need the run game. Um, run game was, you know, you and I had talked about it during the game when it was going on. I mean, their best player was the guy who we thought would probably get maybe the not the least amount of touches, but, you know, more of a goal line situation type dude who's going to be, you know, getting the, having the bang down there low um, with the big boys and just push it through and get it over the end zone. But um, for them to be able to do that, we also didn't see a couple of the other running backs. I don't believe we needed to see a whole lot of um out there either that was just you know that's just props to you know graham mertz and uh but what's the head coach's name paul paul chris paul chris yeah yeah what an excellent job and what an excellent you know decision for him to put his trust in in a freshman quarterback and then the quarterback be able to live up to the trust that his head coach puts on him and come out and perform the way he did yeah, five touchdowns. Two or three of those came from Jake Ferguson, um, who we've had multiple conversations. I, I love Jake Ferguson. So now we got, um, we got three three tight ends we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, but I'm really glad you brought up, the, brought up the run game on this team because when people think of this Wisconsin Badgers, other than the offensive lineman, the first position they're going to go to on that offense is who's their running back, who's their star. And that game Friday against Illinois – was basically a running back by committee. Um, Garendo was probably the guy I was least familiar with, and I, they were the, the, the announcers were saying um, Paul Chris liked him quite a bit in camp. Um, Nikia Watson, we saw, we mentioned his stat line, 331 with two touchdowns last year. Um, Chase Wolf went in the game, and a lot of us, I really wanted to see Jalen Berger. I think you were texting me about that too. Yeah, um, I wanted to see him so bad. Yep, and then... <laughs> Jalen or Julius Davis was another guy that I was really excited to see. Mason Stocky had hey he had the first touchdown pass. Um, he was working out with the tailbacks. He was working on a new position. A guy that worked his way up last season into a one of the top fullbacks. And you mentioned Garrett Groshek was the top rusher. And this could be a season. From the looks of it now, they had I think 183 or 189 rushing yards. Um, between Watson, Groshek, and Garendo, this could be a team where we rely a little bit more on the passing game than we have in recent years over the run game. And I'm fine with that. We have, we have Graham Mertz as our quarterback. And before, unfortunately, the game against Nebraska is canceled because of COVID reports came out today, um, we would have sold Danny <laughs> Vandenboom. Um, Chase, Chase, Wolf, um, Chase Wolf tested positive. Paul Chris tested positive. Cones on the IR, and Mertz is positive. So Danny Vandenboom is QB4. Uh, we started seeing hashtag boom season. Danny Vandenboom is from Kimberly. Um, I think he threw, I don't have his stat off the top of my head, but he was 50, 56 touchdowns passes throughout the course of his career. Um, and he, he went to Kimberly. And I'm, for those who aren't from Wisconsin, Kimberly's a winning culture. So he knows what it's like to come from a winning culture. As does Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz transferred to Kansas High School, Blue Valley North, through 96 touchdowns, 
over 7,000 passing yards in his, in his college career or in his high school career. Like that is, it, it feels amazing to have a quarterback and <laughs> I like Jack Cohn. And what I say last year is Jack Cohn to me, the Jack Cohn from last year looked different than the Jack Cohn from two years ago. I think Jack Cohn at times looked more confident on the field last year. And even Graham Mertz was saying at the end of the game on Friday, he was he was praising Graham Jack Cohn because Jack Cohn was helping him on the field, or he was helping him um, like read defenses. He was helping him on the sideline. He even said that like a week or so ago um, on the radio. I was listening to him, and Graham Mertz was saying that Jack Cohn is like really he, he's really good with that. Like he has that mentality. He's really good with helping him, you know, learn defenses. And to me. I think that shows a lot of maturity on Jack Cohn's level. Jack Cohn is, yeah, he's a senior. And like the way I look at those quarterbacks, if quarterbacks lose their job, no matter where they get, if they get hurt or not, the first thing that everyone's going to think of is, oh, they're hitting the transfer portal. Jalen Hurts didn't do that. And I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be a great NFL quarterback, but I, I, I think that shows the utmost um, maturity on Jalen Hurts' level for staying an entire year after getting benched for Tua. And the same thing goes for Jack Cohen, but sorry to get off topic, but Graham Ertz, um, Heisman, Heisman watch, what I like to call it, what, what, what we Badger fans like to call it. Um, he's on the uh, <laughs> he's on the radar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're so hyped up, man. You're so happy. Like, you got a quarterback. You don't have to just watch the run, the run game weekend, every single weekend and everything, so. I can just tell you're you're just gleaming with with like happiness and you're excited to have a quarterback that can play quarterback and not just hand the ball off like uh, old noodle arm Alex Twenty Brooks. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, that's awesome for you guys. I, I I was watching it. I didn't. I was watching the game. I was like, my God, dude, this kid is legit. Like this kid is like a legitimate quarterback. And I, the last time I can't what Russell Wilson maybe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is the last time you guys had a legitimate quarterback. Yes. So, um, and he transferred from him at NC State, if I'm correct. But yeah, that's that. So he wasn't even recruited by you guys. So that's crazy um, that it's even been that long. And this guy might even, you know, surpass some of the things that Russell did while he was at Wisconsin. And that's going to be cool to watch. And that's the thing, too. You mentioned Russell Wilson was not recruited by us. Grant Mertz could be. One of, if not the best quarterback that Wisconsin has ever recruited. Graham Mertz's recruiting class was arguably one of the best, the best that we've had in recent years. I would argue this class that we have this year is probably if very close to it, if not better. Guys like yeah. Nolan Rucci leading the class. Yeah, I just feel like it keeps getting better every single year. Um, it's just the advancement of the game and what what coaches are asking for, not necessarily asking for, but what they're coaching and the way that they run their offenses and the schematics that they put behind their offensive play calling and everything of that nature in high school, you know, not only high school coaches adjusting, but, you know, these quarterbacks that are playing in high school, even, I mean, even down to middle school level are starting to change their game based off of, you know, I've got to be this much more detailed when it comes to this. It's more about not of as much as fundamentals other than, you know, being, you know, making a play when it's not expected, you know, something like that, the intangibles more than fundamentals and all of that nature. I mean, we're seeing it now in the NFL. 
a lot of these guys that are the top quarterbacks right now don't necessarily have the greatest fundamentals. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes throwing across his body off his back foot constantly. No look passes. You see Lamar Jackson, like, hop-stepping behind the line of scrimmage and then stopping on a dime after going about 18 miles per hour and just just crazy stuff. Kyler Murray, I mean, basketball moves. He's pulling out, uh, running to the end zone, like like a Euro step. It's just it's just ridiculous now that football is changing more to our day. If you've got the athleticism and you've got, you know, something that makes you unique and special, then that's kind of what's going to make you stand out. And I'm not saying Graham Mertz is that guy, but he possesses a great arm talent and he can do the other things that in between that as well. And as he grows and gets older, that should only flourish. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I'll just go ahead and switch over to my defensive standout player of the week here. And that's going to be the linebacker out of North Carolina and Chad Surratt. Um, he did not have a great game last time out against my Knowles. He only had three total tackles, one solo, um, which was not good. He didn't have any forced fumbles. He didn't have any picks. Um, Florida State just handed him pretty well in his last game out. So um, to say he took that personally um, might have been an understatement here against NC State in the in-state rivalry game. He came out and absolutely balled out in their 20 or 48 to 21 win. He had eight total tackles. Six of those were solo. He had a sack, a forced fumble, and a interception. So um, dude came out and balled. Chad Surratt is probably one of the higher guys on the linebacker list here in terms of when it comes to the NFL draft. Even as a senior, um, I, I think you would honestly take a senior linebacker that's putting up these type of numbers right now over, you know, somebody who's maybe a junior, not as much playing time, but has maybe a little bit lesser numbers. But I would take the seniority over that because you know he's a leader out there and he's going to make the right play and he's going to understand anything that you throw his way. And, I mean, you see his intensity on the field. He plays with tons of it. Um, he's, he's the leader of that defense. You see them all huddle around him. He's the one who gets them all hyped up and ready to play. And the play, the play that he put on this, you know, this past Saturday was astronomical coming off of a, you know, pretty poor game for him uh, on the road there at Forest State. Yeah, and I think that game was a bounce-back game for the entire team as a whole because – um, I don't remember which game I was ended up watching. Um, I was watching one of the Big Ten games on Saturday, and they they pulled up the highlight of that game, and they said, "Where where was this North Carolina team two weeks ago against Florida State?" Um, so, Chesterot, and I found this. I don't know how I didn't know this earlier sooner, um, but Chesterot played quarterback. Um, and let me look. Um, I think he played quarterback. Um, his early years at North Carolina and then switched, um, ended up switching. I think that is such a unique trait of draft prospects that are able to, even, even guys that come from high school, um, and playing like multiple positions. Zach Bond was a quarterback in college or in high school. Zach Bond was a quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the state in, at Brown Deer, Wisconsin. Um, and then his secondary position was, um, a linebacker, and he was recruited as an outside linebacker. Um, but Chester, I played quarterback and ended up switching over to a linebacker. Um, I, I think that's such a unique, unique trait. Obviously, he had a him, but he's the leading tackler, not only the leading tackler, but he's the face of that North Carolina defense. 
And I mean, that just goes hand in hand. I, I, like you were saying, I didn't put one and two together, but him playing quarterback, he's got those intangibles, and that's why he is the leader of, that he is on that defensive side of the ball. Like we always talk about in media personalities and the beat writers all over the place talk about, you know, the quarterback of the defense. Who is it? And I mean, if you take a quarterback out of the quarterback room and slot him in at linebacker and he puts on that muscle and you get brawn and brains to go together with the leadership, that's just the making for, you know, an an all-star type linebacker and defensive player. And that's what North Carolina has in uh, Chad Surratt. Exactly. And like his, his, his athleticism and his talent, there's a reason why he's soaring up boards and we're, there's a reason why we're seeing him in mock drafts in the first round. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm excited to see where eventually he goes. I hope he stays healthy because he does tend to put himself out there and, you know, put his whole body in, into whatever he does. So hopefully he can stay healthy the rest of the year. And I'm sure he'll test fantastically when it comes to the combine. But um, moving on from my guy, who is your um, defensive player from week eight? So this guy is a walk-on freshman from Wake Forest, uh, Nick Anderson. Uh, he had three picks and 11 total tackles. He was the leading tackler at the Wake, uh, Wake Forest defense. Wake Forest ended up upsetting uh, Virginia Tech. Um, Sam Hartman had a decent game, kind of quiet in the passing game, uh, under 200 yards, went for 12 for, uh, 12 for 17, um, which isn't terrible. But, I mean, um, their defense was the star of the show. Nick Anderson was the star of the show. And as, as one of the guys, one of the analysts said after the game, he'll get the scholarship. Um, they, I haven't read any reports lately. That I haven't read any reports this week, I should say, um, that they ended up offering him the scholarship. But he, he's continuing to impress. And I have I see no reason why he shouldn't get – he shouldn't be offered his full ride scholarship within, these, within the next game or two. That would be awesome. I love those guys. I love those guys who, you know – come out of nowhere and then they earn for you know earn the scholarship or things of that nature it's just the best feeling in the world like if i'm that person like i would be like i would cry just constantly like i would just i would just lose it because i mean that's such a huge accomplishment Mm -hmm. from being a walk-on you're not offered a scholarship right off the bat but you're going to put in the work and you're going to be that guy who shows up every single day and you know does the things that the team asks of you and um to see it pay off like you see that, like the, I mean, I don't even know the guy. Um, he, he's he's so young. Um, he plays for Wake Forest. You don't get a lot of, you know, um, you know, you don't get to see Wake Forest play all that often unless it's a bigger team or anything of that nature. So I mean, for him to be able to do that and put on put on the show he did at Wake Forest, uh, I forget who they play um, or who they played last week. Oh, they played Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech's a good team. Um, not somebody to, you know, kind of sleep over and they were ranked, I believe, what, 17 this past, yep. past week. Yep. So, I mean, it's a ranked team and Wake Forest, they're, they're not somebody to sleep on either. Um, they're not necessarily, you know, world leaders of the world, but they're a good team. The ACC is pretty strong this year. And that was kind of a conference I picked at the beginning of the season, not to necessarily be as strong as they usually are, but it turns out, you know, they are, and it's just, you know, typical, typical play there in the ACC, but it's, you know, a little bit more. I mean, Miami didn't look great last this past weekend against Virginia. Um, I mean, Clemson was struggling with Syracuse for the majority of that game before they took off in the middle of the third quarter. Um, I mean, D.C. got has been up and down all season. I mean, obviously Duke is at the bottom, Florida State. Um, big win against North Carolina, but then come out against Louisville and get beat by 30-something points. 
Um, Louisville does the same thing. So ACC's, uh, it's just weird conference this year. Hopefully, uh, they figure it out, but, uh, yeah, um, I guess we, that will turn us into our NFL draft prospect watches. Um, and this is going to be something I'm going to take somebody that you had last week, but I'll let you lead this portion off. And perfect flowing. Cause I was going to say for Wake Forest, it's, 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 it's really nice and it's good for them to see, um, a guy on their defense, not named Carlos Basham Jr. That's, you know, really making a name for himself and showing out. So, um, and you know, as a walk-on freshman, that's unbelievable. But um, my my offensive player to watch this week is who you had last week um, is Brock Purdy. And <laughs> Brock Purdy had a down game against Oklahoma State. And to me, this one was kind of easy for me just because they're playing Kansas. And Kansas is 0-5 right now. And they did lose Puka Williams. Puka Williams opted out earlier in the week. Um, due to family concerns um, and COVID. Um, so obviously, Puka Williams is a pretty decent loss to um, that run game for Kansas. Um, and I think this is the perfect opportunity for um, for Brock Purdy and Iowa State to, to bounce back. And um, yeah, I, I've got I've got I've got Brock Purdy, and I, I like I love his mobility. And I don't want to say he's a gunslinger, but he's got the arm talent. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, you could, he's bordering that line pretty closely, I would say. Um, he didn't have a great game um, in the least bit last time out. He, it was kind of similar to, you know, the first game of the season when they played the University of Louisiana Monroe. Um, didn't complete all that many passes, didn't even complete 20. Um, had and TCU later on, too. Yeah, had barely a 55 or over 50 completion percentage, only 162 yards, um, took three sacks, uh, had a QBR lower than 60 again, um, ran for 38 yards in a touchdown. But, I mean, that doesn't come into play into the game very much when you only score, what, 21 points in a game. So um, it was just real, you know, I was real disappointed in in Brock there in that game, especially after picking him as having to have, you know, a good game to get his name back in that conversation with the likes of quarterbacks you were talking about earlier with the Justin Fieldses and, you know, the Trevor Lawrence's, the Trey Lance's. And, I mean, you were talking about Newman and, I mean, even throw Mac Jones in there now, not necessarily first round, but his name's in consideration. He looks much better than everybody imagined or thought he would. So, Brock Purdy, that was Brock Purdy's time to, you know, be able to do it against a top ranked team, a top <clears throat> 10 ranked team at that to come out and show that he, he has it and he didn't do it, unfortunately. But um, yeah, he should get it together against this uh, <laughs> Kansas Jayhawks team. And you want to talk about a quarterback too. That's, I would probably say, I mean, I would, I wouldn't be the only one saying this, but he's, his draft stock's probably trending down right now. And I think this is the perfect opportunity and the perfect game for him to, for him to get back on track. I just, I think what a lot of scouts are seeing are wanting to see now from Brock is the big games though. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, because he hasn't really shown up. I mean, he did, what was it? Two years ago, he, he, he was winning big games that he, <clears throat> Iowa state should have had no business mm-hmm. winning. And that's where the, you know, the Brocktober thing started and, and everything like that. And he just had all the hype. And then 
once the hype got there, it's just kind of been, you know, he'll do it against the lesser teams of the big, the big 10 or big 12, excuse me. Um, but when it comes to the big showdowns, he's kind of flops here and that's something to worry about. So I, I totally understand why we're seeing him fall. Um, but I'm going to pick a quarterback here that you also had last week um, in, in your Heisman talk, and that's Kellen Mon. Um, I think he is starting to move up the draft board at this point. Um, he's a senior. He's been around Texas a for four years. He's had Jimbo Fisher for these past two years, um, which we all know he's the quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer, whatever you want to call him, although it hasn't necessarily translated in the NFL with, you know, Who's it? Jamarcus Russell, Jameis Winston, um, EJ Manuel, Christian Ponder. Not necessarily translated to the NFL um, with all four or five of those players. Um, but Kellen Mond seems like he's got a little bit more savviness to him, not necessarily, you know, a, a certain skill set. You know, he's not you know, Jameis Winston who's going to just chuck the ball downfield and be at least decently accurate with it when he was in college. Or he's not going to be an EJ Manuel or, or Christian Ponder who are good runners and can throw well on the run. And he's not a Jamarcus Russell who is, you know, kind of a Tim Tebow-esque dude who could who could bang with you but also had a nice deep threat arm. So um, Kellen Mond kind of just fits all those intangibles. He's had a great season up to this point. Um, I know two weeks ago against Mississippi State, he only completed 13 passes, but he didn't really need to do all that much. That has been his, his worst game of the season besides the opening game against Vanderbilt, where he only had a QBR of 25 and a half. So um, big win against Florida. That was his best game yet. We just need to see a couple repeat performances from him. And um, I forget who they have this week. They have Arkansas this week. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I was going with this is Arkansas's defense has been light out this year. Um, they might have lost two games. I think they might be two and two right now. But – their defense has kept them in. They have been so solid um, on the defensive side of the ball. You don't even know any of the players there, but they are one cohesive unit who gets the job done. So this is going to be a real tall task for Kellen Mond and for him to be able to, you know, be successful against this type of defense is going to be huge in terms of, let's not get it wrong. He's not going to be, you know, a first or second day quarterback necessarily out of the draft. But he could move himself up a couple rounds just based off of this season alone if he comes out with, you know, quality stats against great or good defenses. Not only that, but he's already got a big win over the University of Florida, who was a top 10 or top five ranked team at the time. Although their defense is, you know, kind of poo-poo, as we've all seen up to this point in the season. But, I mean, still, you go out and win against the – you out-duel, you know, uh, a University of Florida team that everybody ranks very high against the quarterback that everybody has above you and Kyle Trask. Um, that's that's a great sign. And Kellen Mond can only go up from here, but he's got a big test this weekend against um, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, and I think the game against Florida is really the team or really the game where people started to put Kellen Mond on the radar. And like right. that's why, I mean, yeah, I wish I would have picked Desmond Ritter as my dark horse candidate, but there's a reason why, like looking at the Heisman odds, Kellerman's not going to win it. But there's a reason why he's on the Heisman odds, like all the way at the bottom. Even Mac Jones is putting himself up on the board. Um, but if, even what you said, like, yeah, he, the game against Vanderbilt was his, like, basically his most disappointing game so far this season. Um, and we're about halfway through. 
um, the season for the SEC. And he's been consistent, definitely, for the most part, um, throughout the majority of his career. And that's that's like that's something that NFL co- college or NFL scouts um, are going to fall in love with, like the, a quarterback that screams consistency because quarterbacks are hard to come by. And yeah, he's not going to be drafted within the first two rounds. I think if he's lucky, he'll get in the first three if he ends up breaking out. Um, but I, I think this, I, th- I think Kellen Mond is a quarterback that people should t- be talking about more because he plays in the SEC. He beat Florida, and yeah, Florida's coming off of a um, a two week absence of um, of COVID pa- of pausing activities due to COVID, and now they're coming into play Missouri this weekend. And you even mentioned brought up the idea like, is this team going to look rusty? Will this team like will we see the same Kyle Trask? Will we see the same Kyle Pitts? And I think that could that might even be an opportunity for Kellen Mond to make more of a name for himself. And I, I like the Kellen Mond pick. I think that's a great pick. And I think not only is there a reason why he's like at the bottom of the Heisman odds, but still in the Heisman odds. Um, but I don't think he should be slept on. I think he should be talked about more because he's going up against elite competition and he's getting the job done. And I think the Florida game really, really, um, really proves that. And I think a lot of people expected Texas A&M to get upset. I don't think anyone expected Florida to – I don't think anyone expected Texas A&M to be a blowout game, I should say, between this – before this matchup. Yeah. Not at all. And something that I've seen from Kellen Mond, too, not only speaking about this year, but in the past, you would see him kind of get down on himself and, you know, you know, have those instances where he didn't look all that confident in anything he's doing. He would come off the side or come off the field onto the sidelines and just be like, like, man, like, I, I just can't figure it out. Or he would just be so pissed and you would see like the emotion just live. And this year, like even when he's not playing well, you don't see that out of him anymore. Like, you see the growth of where he's just got this moxie of, like, I might not be playing well, but I don't have to necessarily play well for my team to win the game or for my team to even be in the game. If I'm consistent enough where I can game manage and put my team in the right situations, make the right audible calls in the game to be able to put us in a better situation to score and ultimately win the game, then that's doing enough. And he's changed himself from putting so much pressure on just him to it being like, I just want my team to win. And seeing him make that transformation just shows me that he has grown not only as a football player, but as a person as a whole. And that means a whole lot when you go to start sitting down and doing, you know, these NFL draft interviews and you're starting to talk to scouts and you're you're in the room with owners and, and GMs and all kinds of other guys. And they see it too. They pay attention to much more things. I mean, Sam, you're you're the NFL draft guy, so you go through this all the time. But like, I mean, just personally, just looking at Kellen Mond, that's something I've been able to notice. Yeah, and I think that a lot of it goes back to the maturity level too. Like, there's multiple quarterbacks in this, like Jack Cohn for the Big Ten, um, for the Badgers, and even Kellen Mond. Yeah, it, it's it's very it's an intangible. I think it's not something. I mean, it is obviously something that you can grow into or learn, but I mean, having that and, or even just being able to achieve that at some point in your college career is going to pay out huge dividends for you when it t- comes time to, you know, move on to the next level. But 
we'll move on from our offensive picks and we'll go into your defensive pick, Sam. I'll let you start with this one. All right. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. So my defensive player to watch this week is going to be uh, Jason o- o- Away. Away. Right. I'm right. Yep. The defensive end out of Penn State. So not the defensive end that everybody else is used to talking about when it comes to this team, obviously. Um, but it is somebody who is very highly thought upon in terms of what he could possibly do. So we're talking about high upside here in terms of, you know, an NFL draft prospect. Not You don't see a whole lot. His name doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. But um, it's somebody that you can see the upside. He's just a freak. Um, and people love him. He runs a 4'3", 40 at 260 pounds, which is absolutely incredible. Um, his play style is just freaky, quick twitch, lateral on the line of scrimmage, um, comes to the running game, plays with a lot of urgency, um, discipline, doesn't get very many calls against him, um, doesn't make any boneheaded plays. So a lot of mental aspects in that. And the numbers don't necessarily pop off, you know, the table to you. I mean, um, in 2019, he, he had a decent season, but that's when we just started to see him, you know, come on the field and everything. But um, only two tackles in his first game. So that's pretty, you know, underwhelming here. So I need him to take that next step. And that's pretty much why I think I decided to go with him when you and I were trying to figure out who each of us were going to go with when it came to these choices and picks and everything. And um, I think that's kind of what stuck out to me is that I want to see more because everything out there says he's going to, he can be good. He could be better than good. Excuse me. He could be great, but it's just the numbers aren't showing it. And that's, you know, whether that's, you know, him getting, you know, doubled or him just not being put in the right position. Um, but it's, he's a really freak of nature. So um, he just has room for improvement. He he doesn't quite know how to use his body, in my opinion, at this point in his career. He's just kind of, you know, going through the motions, trying to still figure it out. So once he can fully tap into that, I feel like he'll be able to do, he'll get past that mental aspect of it and just go out on the field and play. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the money there in terms of when you said he's a freak of nature. And that's why I picked Shaka Tony last week is Micah Parsons is gone. And I think I think the one name that people think of now that Parsons is gone on their defense is Jason Owe. And now another player that's starting to get more attention now on the draft radar is Shaka Tony. I think he ended he had he was the top three leading tackler um, against Indiana last week. Um, he had seven total tackles, I believe. Um, but you said it right there, like Jason, Jason Owe, he has elite speed and he has impressive speed for his size and at 270 pounds. That's unreal. That that's like, there's a reason why there's a reason why he's been rated as like a top 15 pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy because I mean, he, he, you see him in draft boards and he can go mid first round and some have him high as that. But then you see other ones that have them like, like sixth and seventh round like picks. So that amount of variation when it comes to the draft just ha- that just automatically screams so many questions on on what he can be able to do. Obviously, he's got the talent. Obviously, he's got the athleticism. Obviously, he needs to get past the mental block of what do I need to do? Can I just go out here and play and use my physical gifts if I can? connect you know what the coaches are having me do to what my body is able to do he can do it because i mean like like we've repeatedly said 
Uh, he's just a four three, a four three forty yard dash from a two hundred sixty pound defensive end is just uh, stupid in my opinion. It shouldn't be allowed. Um, but um, if he can keep that up, and he just needs to you know start creating havoc. Ultimately, if he can start doing that, he will soar up these draft boards. Yeah, I fully agree. And mine is probably one of my favorite edge rushers in this draft. And this has got this is back into the Big Ten. Um, and that's Quiddy Pay. And I wrote an article on the Cards Wire saying because the, the Arizona Cardinals they need an edge rusher. They they need their feud. They don't have Chandler Jones now for their for the season. Um, they went on traded for Marcus Golden for the trade deadline last week. But they they need an edge rusher for their future. I'm watching Quiddy Pay. Michigan is playing Michigan State. Michigan State is probably on a rebuild. They don't have their quarterback Brian Lewerke, who wasn't um, overly impressive. Um, we saw flashes of him last year, but they don't have a quarterback. They 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 have a new identity at quarterback. Um, Brian Lewerke's gone. Um, they I, they they do have a new coach. Uh, they have Mel Tucker. Um, and Quiddy Pay is 6'4", 274. And you want to talk about a guy with speed like Jason Owe. This dude plays with an absolute high motor off the ball. He possesses elite speed. And the one game, if you go watch um, Michigan's game against Iowa um, last year, the one matchup that everyone was watching was Quiddy Pay versus Tristan Wirfs. And Tristan Wirfs is arguably probably the most athletic tackle in this draft. In this draft, yeah, he's either the number one or number two overall rated rookie in the NFL right now. So yeah, it, right, exactly. And if you watch Quiddy Pay, Quiddy Pay, like his speed, his high motor, he was beating Tristan Wirfs on the inside on certain plays. Um, and if there's one like minor knock, because um, I, I would say he's mostly consistent with this, there are times where his initial drive isn't as powerful and it will result in him, you know, not he'll play too high and he'll, he'll, he'll lose all his leverage. Um, but he's got all the tangibles in the town in the world to um, not necessarily make people overlook that case, but really grow on that um, because he's been he's definitely been consistent on that part that's one mind that's that that's the one big weakness that stood out to me he had 26 solo tackles and six and a half sacks last year um at michigan and another guy um to watch for that d line um is aiden hutchinson another big player that moves really well for his size but i've got quitty pay and they're playing michigan state this could be michigan state is one of those teams in the big 10 that they're probably they're 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 in rebuild mode. Mel, they don't have a quarterback. They they have a new quarterback now, uh, and they have a new coach in Mel Tucker. Yep, and yeah, Michigan State's not anything to be you know scared of, if you will, when it comes to playing them in the Big Ten this season. But um, going back to what you said, uh, Pay's weaknesses is I think sometimes people mistake him, you know, faulting and and doing that where you were saying he gets up high sometimes and everything. And I think people mistake that for him not playing as hard as he could on certain plays like that. Because sometimes it just puts you in a bad situation where you think that, oh, he's just not coming off the ball as hard or or he's just being lazy on this play. But that's not the case. It's just all fundamental and technique um, and just can make some players look like that. And I mean, it's it, nothing against him at all, but that is like the same thing. Because at first, that's what I thought. I was like, is he just like taking a play off? Like, but no, he's just, he just, 
didn't get his technique right. He went high and he just got demolished up front, really. Um, and he wasn't able to get his hand placement where it needed to be and his body level or his shoulder pad level where it needed to be to be able to make that play. So um, I just want people to know that it's not him taking plays off. It's because um, he doesn't. Like you said, he has a high motor. Uh, could he pay? And he had, what, two two solo sacks this past week um, against Minnesota. So and four tackles to go along with it. So, I mean, this guy is a rampage, especially on the opposite end of, you know, Aiden Hutchison. Pretty scary defensive line that they got there in Michigan. So um, looking forward to what he can continue to do. Um, and he could be, you know, that next, you know, Michigan defensive player that's going to be, you know, a higher draft pick. I'm really glad you brought up not taking plays off because that's the complete opposite of what he does. Right. If plays are way, like right down the field, he'll come out of nowhere with his speed and make those plays. And we've had conversations between Quiddy Pay versus Xavier Thomas. And that, that that's the one weakness a lot of people give Xavier Thomas at times is he, he does tend to take plays off. But mm-hmm. is that is that a reason to like not rate him? Like, is that a reason not to draft him in what the first three rounds? Because I think Xavier Thomas, depending on how he finishes, I think he has the, the talent to go as early as the third round. I think Xavier mm-hmm. Thomas is extremely talented. Um, but that's the reason that that's a big reason why I like Quiddy Pay better. And Quiddy Quiddy Pay is soaring up the draft boards. I've seen him. I've seen him in the top 15. I, I think I, I feel like I might've even seen him in the top 10. Hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, but I mean, if he continues on this path that he's on right now in his senior season, he has a very high likelihood of being able to put himself in that situation and in that position to be able to draft, get drafted that high and get, you know, the big, the big bucks there in the first round. <laughs> All right, so those will, that'll do it for our players, and we've got a sweet, <laughs> a sweet week nine uh, board here. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, people. This is probably one of the <laughs> the least exciting weekends of college football you will see in probably quite some time. Um, but I'll let you go ahead and start, Sam, with your upset pick of the week. Um, so I've got West Virginia beating Kansas State. And I feel like this is like the most, the, like the most legit I've seen Kansas State in a long time. Like the last time I feel like Kansas State had like a like a legit quarterback um, was back years ago when they had Colin Klein. And Colin Ooh. Klein was like, I mean, I'm probably might be wrong on that, but that's the last time I remember Kansas State being like actually like legit. And they're off to a strong start. Like I understand we're in like uncertain times and like. We're already seeing upsets here and there. Kansas State upset at, upset upset at Oklahoma, um, but I've got West Virginia beating them out. Skylar Thompson and Sam Hart, just like Sam Hartman over at Wake Forest, Skylar Thompson has yet to throw an interception, and I think this is going to be his first game where he throws that interception. Um, and I, ha- I I think this has the potential to be a trap game, um, and I, I think West Virginia beats them. Um, I, I, I think it ends up being a low scoring game though. Yeah, I don't mind that pick. I just, I haven't paid attention to either of those teams enough at this point to go ahead and make that call. Um, I think Kansas state is surprising a lot of people though. It had all started with, you know, that Oklahoma game and that was huge for them and kind of has kind of pushed them in the right direction in terms of where their season's going. So 
um, kudos to them. But you're right. You Kansas State is just kind of, you know, one of those teams, just nobody really notices them. And then all of a sudden they're like eight and one one season. And then the next year they're like five and six. And, and it's just like a roller coaster of emotions when it comes to that team. So um, I could see West Virginia winning that game. They've got uh, a good head coach out there. And um, always have solid players that get out there. West Virginia, lots of athletes, lots of speed as always. So um, I don't, I, I like that pick. Um, but I think I'm gonna go with uh, God. I almost changed my mind and went with the one that you were talking about earlier in choosing Missouri to beat Florida, um, just because of Missouri's coming off of a win against who did they just play? Um, who did Missouri just play? Let me check this out real quick for you guys. But, yeah, I think that could happen. Um, they're coming off a win against Kentucky, that too. So, Kentucky is a pretty good team. Um, so, I could see with Florida, you know, haven't played a game in three weeks, yet alone haven't practiced, haven't been able to, you know, watch film as a team, having to watch it at, at their own homes or whatever. Not only that, but Florida just had six more positive tests come in this morning. So, who mm-hmm. knows even if this game is going to happen between those two teams. But – um, I feel safer um, sticking with my original pick, and that's going to be the Arkansas Razorbacks beating, you know, Kellen Mond and the Texas A&M Aggies. I know I was just talking about Kellen Mond and how high I am on him. Um, I was just mainly doing that because I see that being a huge game for him um, because if he can make this game, like, or win this game big um, and, and prove that, like, I've got it, he's going to move himself on draft boards. But besides that, looking more so at the game-wise, um, Arkansas, like I said before, their defense has been playing outstanding. I, it's hard to find a better one in, in college football right now, the way that they're playing, especially in the SEC, um, where, you know, you have to go up against all kinds of different types of um, schematically challenging offenses, whether it's from, you know, Kentucky's and, and the Alabama's to um, more so teams who run spread options or air raids, Mississippi State's and um, teams of that nature. And, it's just, it's, you know, it's a different day in the SEC every single weekend. Um, so, I mean, Arkansas's defense, in my opinion, is going to keep this one close down to the end. And then it's going to be up to um, everybody's favorite quarterback of all time, Felipe Franks, to, you know, put some points on the board. But I think it can happen. Yeah, I think, I think the, yeah, the big surprise is Felipe Franks of that Arkansas team. Um, but I feel like an even bigger surprise is how top-notch their Arkansas defense is really playing right now throughout these first throughout these uh, the first half of this season. Like there, I think there was a one point they were they were the top-ranked defense in one of the stats that I read. I don't remember what it was, um, but I, they, they have they have one of the top defenses in the SEC right now. Um, so I like that one. It makes it inter- I think it makes it interesting. Um, I, I think the Missouri one is interesting as well, just because they haven't um, practiced. And you mentioned that too. Like they, they, they came back with more positive tests today um, and they had just taken two weeks off. And I don't think they came out with the players or like the names of it. Uh, not the, not what I read at least or saw. Right. Um, but I like the, the Arkansas because if, if Arkansas can win this, and I think people will really start to say, like, wow, like this this team is like this team might be legit this season. And this is a team like not just us. Like I would probably argue multiple people have probably didn't think that Arkansas would be this good. 
Oh, I had written them off. I, I, I don't know if you did too, but I pretty much wrote them off as I didn't think they were going to win maybe any games um, at the beginning of this year, just based off of, you know, what you see on paper and everything. And then you got new, new coaches all around um, defense, offense, head coach, everybody's new. So just to see what they're being able to do and just buy in and like just accepting, you know, I hate, I hate using that term buy-in, but I mean, ultimately that's what they're doing when they've got all new people around them, new players too, Felipe Franks, new quarterback. It's, it's pretty amazing the job that that Arkansas Razorbacks team has been able to do. I mean, you beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State, you lose a close one against Auburn that you probably shouldn't have lost because of a refing call that probably shouldn't have happened and saying Bo Nick spiked the ball when he didn't even have it. But um, that is what it is, and, you know, it's just a bad break, and you got to deal with it. But um, this will be a nice test for them because their schedule doesn't get it any easier. They've got um, – after this game, they've got Tennessee. Then they've got to play at Florida. They have LSU and Alabama to end up here. So um, if they want to build some positive momentum before this tough, this schedule gets even tougher than it is right now, now's the time to jump on it, and you want to make some noise, go ahead and do it in uh, College Station this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, you got anything else, Sam, before we go ahead and uh, sign off? Uh, no, I've got nothing. As always, uh, thanks, Unwrapped. Thank you, Perry, everyone, um, for giving us this platform. Yeah, I got to always shout out the fam over at USN. Great contributors out there, including Sam. Um, you know, there's so many people that you could shout out, but uh, I mean, Huge shout out to, you know, Trill and um, Andrew Williams who hold down the college game day show every morning on Saturday mornings um, at 11 a.m. Eastern time till noon Eastern time. Um, they've been absolutely crushing it. I was on there this past weekend, had a great time until uh, I was traveling, so I didn't have the best of service. So <laughs> I got knocked out, but I know Sam was on the first one as well. Um, great show there Saturday morning. So go over there, head over there um, for Unwrapped University Live on Saturday mornings from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. Um, also, if you didn't already hear about the, the sponsors down at the bottom, head over to rxhemp.com and use code rxhemp-usn for 10% off every single purchase. It's all natural um, CBD pain relief cream. Um, I use it. I'm about to have to buy a new one because I'm almost out. Um, I use it on my back almost daily because of my work, I'm always on my feet and everything like that. Then also, if you like to win money, um, head over to mybookie.ag. We have a nice little sponsorship with them if you use code. USN 100, you get double your first deposit as long as you make a deposit of $45 or more. So thank you guys again for coming out. And uh, thank you, Sam, for always joining me here on these glorious Wednesday nights.